Hello and welcome to the First Day in Football Show. I am your host, Tobias Brown. And folks, we are back with another jam-packed episode for you guys today. We are going to be doing a free agency frenzy reaction show. Really reacting to the first two days of free agency. I'll give you guys my takes on each team's off-season move so far. We are going to go through all 32 NFL teams, so I do want to give you guys a fair warning. If your team doesn't get a lot of time today... Don't be mad at me, be mad at your general manager and the lack of moves they've made. But without further ado, let's get into this. We're going to start in the AFC East, and we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills obviously had a very good season this past year. Came up short in a overtime shootout in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they have gone to work this offseason. I like a lot of the moves they've made. Highlight some of them. They brought in guard Roger Saffold. He was, of course, cut by the Tennessee Titans. They bring Saffold in on a one-year deal. That's going to help their run game tremendously. Re-up. Starting center Mitch Morris, bring him back on a two-year, $19.5 million extension. Really like that one. Morris has been an anchor for that offensive line since coming over from Kansas City. I feel like that's a solid move for them. I also really like them bringing in defensive tackle Tim Settle. Settle is a run-stuffing DT, very solid run defender. And with the, the Bills losing Harrison Phillips in free agency this year, you want to make sure you keep that run defense stout, bring in Settle on a two-year, $9 million deal. Very nice deal. The under-the-radar signing, and one of my more under-the-radar signings in the entire NFL, though, was the Buffalo Bills bringing in running back J.D. McKissick. McKissick spent last year in Washington and shared a lot of snaps with Antonio Gibson. McKissick is more of a receiving back, and that's why I love this move so much. It's two years, $7 million, not a huge contract. If you look at Buffalo's roster, they have Zach Moss, they have Devin Singletary. So running back doesn't stick out as a massive need. But what McKissick brings, like we said, is the receiving back element. It's a huge deal in today's NFL. You look at some of the better teams in the NFL. You know, Tom Brady has always had a solid receiving back, whether it was Deion Lewis, James White. The last year, Tampa Bay brought in Giovanni Bernard to try and replicate some of that. Receiving backs play a huge part in today's NFL. I really like that Buffalo went out and got Josh Allen one to help further his development that much more. They made a couple other small signings. They re-signed wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, re-signed wide receiver Jake Kumaro, and re-signed defensive back Saran Neal. Let's look, though, at the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, couple signings I like, a couple that are iffy. Looking at probably the biggest one, though, that stands out is the Dolphins signed quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to a one-year, $6.5 million contract, fully guaranteed. It can be up words of $10 million. So this contract, 6.5 fully guaranteed. With incentives, though, it can hit $10 million. And what this deal tells me is the Dolphins are putting a contingency plan in place if Tua Tagovailoa comes out and looks abysmal. If Tua doesn't come out and play well, expect to see Tua gone. Expect to see Teddy Bridgewater in there. Teddy Bridgewater is a serviceable enough quarterback. He can come in and start games for you, and he's not going to lose you games. Teddy Bridgewater may not win you games at this stage of his career, but he's not going to lose you games. You know, over the course of this season last year, 20 touchdowns to 7 interceptions. His play doesn't win you games, like I said. It's not going to lose you games, though. Really like this, just as competition for Tua. It's going to push Tua. Tua's either going to rise to the occasion, or he's going to fold, and the Dolphins are going to know what they have and be able to act accordingly. Looking at some of the other moves, 
I do like they brought in help. If you want to see what Tua has, I like that you're challenging him by bringing in another quarterback, but I also like that they went out and got Tua help. Resigned wide receiver Preston Williams to a one-year deal, went out and signed Cedric Wilson. Former Dallas Cowboy gave him three years, $22.8 million. Cedric Wilson was a guy who was really overshadowed in Dallas, you know, sitting behind guys like Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper. But when Wilson got his chance, he produced. I really like this move, especially given the fact that Wilson's going to be able to come into Miami and just be expected to be a number three wide receiver. You already have Devontae Parker. You already have Jalen Waddle. You have Mike Giusecki, who signed his franchise tag at the tight end, so he'll be back next year. Cedric Wilson doesn't have to be the guy. I love a signing like this for the Miami Dolphins. Looking at some other moves, they re-signed defensive end Emmanuel Ogba to a four-year, $65.4 million contract. I'll be honest, I don't love the contract. I like the player. Emmanuel Ogba, the player, is a very solid football player, and pass rush is one of the most valuable positions in the NFL. So I understand why Miami felt the need to bring Ogba back. I just don't love giving Emmanuel Ogba that type of money. That's top of the market money. I'm not sure. I would have rather seen the Dolphins let somebody else pay Emmanuel Ogba that. But nonetheless, you got to have pass rushers and. Emmanuel Ogba is definitely a pass rusher. Looking at some of their other moves, though, Connor Williams, the offensive guard, former Texas Longhorn, of course has played with the Dallas Cowboys for the duration of his career. He comes in on a two-year, $14 million contract. Here's the thing with Connor Williams. He's not a great offensive lineman. He's not an all-pro. He's not a pro bowler, but he's not a bad offensive lineman. He is an average offensive lineman, and looking at what the Miami Dolphins have rolled out there the last couple years, they just need average offensive linemen at this point. Like the move, just creep back towards average there. They re-signed a couple linebackers, Alandon Roberts, Duke Riley, more depth signings. Roberts obviously will start. He gets a one-year $3.25 million contract extension. Looking at the New England Patriots, it's been somewhat of a boring offseason so far. Nobody's really shocked by this. The Pats didn't have a lot of cap space to work with after their massive spending spree last offseason. A lot of it's re-signing, guys. Re-signed Brian Hoyer to a two-year deal. Re-signed James White to a two-year deal. Those are two locker room guys, two guys who have been with New England for numerous amount of time. James White, obviously the receiving back we talked about, huge for a young quarterback's development. Brian Hoyer, familiar backup, especially with Mac Jones losing his offensive coordinator. They re-signed reserve offensive lineman James Ference. Ference just finds a way to stick on NFL rosters. To me, it's just he is an intelligent football player. Obviously, he is the son of Kirk Ference, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Looking at some of their other moves, they traded defensive end Chase Winovich, traded him to the Cleveland Browns, and in return they get former fifth-round pick out of the University of Alabama, Mack Wilson, the linebacker. Kind of one of those moves that neither guy really played up to expectations for either team. Wilson has underachieved. That's why the Browns have been looking for linebackers for a while. Chase Winovich had fallen out of favor in New England. Both guys get a new change of scenery. And New England has had luck in the past bringing guys over from Cleveland and having success with them. You look at defensive end Jabal Sheard. You look at defensive tackle Danny Shelton. And even cornerback Jason McCourty have all come over from Cleveland at some point in time and played really well for the New England Patriots. They also re-signed safety Devin McCourty one year, $9 million. They were not going to let Devin walk. He's been a Patriot his whole career. They're not just going to let him walk. Also re-signed Matthew Slater one year $2.6 million and re-signed kicker Nick Folk. Like I said, nothing crazy here. They did 
trade guard Shaq Mason. One of the best guards in football was the fourth highest rated guard in all of the NFL last year. He gets traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a fifth round pick. And New England fans are losing their mind. They're saying, why are you only getting a fifth round pick for Shaq Mason? Because it was a cap-saving move. New England saved over $6 million against the cap by trading Shaq Mason. They had to. They have other holes on that roster. They've got to get better wide receivers this year. They absolutely have to. You can't roll into next year with Jacoby Myers, Gunnar Olszewski, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne. I mean, that's, it's not going to cut it for the development of Mac Jones. So you get rid of Shaq Mason. And there's other guys on the roster, whether it's Michael Yewu, He can step up and play that guard spot. New England has options there. Looking at the New York Jets, the Jets made a couple nice moves. I really like them bringing in former Cincinnati Bengal tight end CJ Uzama on a three-year $24 million deal. We've said before, tight ends are young quarterbacks' best friends. Really like the Jets prioritizing getting a good tight end for Zach Wilson. They re-signed wide receiver Braxton Berrios, two years, $12 million. Berrios has played pretty solid for them. Also re-signed reserve offensive lineman Connor McDermott on a one-year deal, re-signed running back Tevin Coleman on a one-year deal, and re-signed defensive back LaMarcus Joyner on a one-year deal. Some of the other moves they made, though, they brought in safety Jordan Whitehead, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, bring him in on a two-year, $14.5 million contract. This was a great signing to begin with. Jordan Whitehead is a good football player, and the New York Jets' secondary is abysmal. It's less of a nice signing now knowing that the Jets lost Marcus May. He left for the New Orleans Saints. Hurts a little more, but this tells me that the Jets are hoping Ashton Davis, the former Cal Golden Bear, takes the next step forward. They also brought in guard Lakin Tomlinson, the former San Francisco 49er, on a three-year $40 million deal. I love this move. they got to get the interior offensive line figured out. You've got what you believe to be your left tackle of the future in Mekhi Becton. Got to start solidifying the interior of the offensive line. Lakin Tomlinson takes that step in the right direction for the New York Jets. Moving on to the AFC North, starting with the Baltimore Ravens because they have been one of the more quiet teams in football. They've only made two signings. But let me tell you, they're two very impactful signings, starting with the safety Marcus Williams, the former New Orleans Saints. They give him five years, $70 million, including $37 million guaranteed massive contract. Nobody's surprised, though, that Baltimore went out and prioritized the secondary and prioritized safety. Baltimore's had great safety play for a number of years, going all the way back to Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, Eric Weddle. They prioritized safeties in that defense it was the 32nd ranked pass defense in the NFL last year. They had to fix it. This is a step in the right direction. They also acknowledged that when they traded Orlando Brown last year, they had a hole at right tackle, and they took a step towards fixing that by signing offensive tackle Morgan Moses to a three-year, $15 million deal. Morgan Moses is one of those guys. He's not a bad offensive lineman, but he's not a great offensive lineman. He's just a solid NFL lineman. He's going to fill that hole at right tackle Huge get for the Baltimore Ravens. Looking at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, I love what they have done. They saw that Joe Burrow, they saw everybody talking about how Joe Burrow, regular season and postseason combined, was sacked 70 times. They understood they needed to get physical, mean offensive linemen, and they decided they're going to build the trenches from the inside out. So they were going to start with the interior offensive line. They go out, they sign guard Alex Kappa, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Four-year, $35 million deal. Love it. Love it. He is a mean physical player. 
when the Buccaneers won their Super Bowl in 2020, Kappa had a broken leg and tried to come back in the playoffs and play through that. That's the type of tough guy Alex Kappa is. They also went out and got offensive lineman Ted Karras from the New England Patriots on a three-year, $18 million deal. Karras is a versatile offensive lineman. He can start at center. He can start at either guard spot. He is going to help fill the offensive line need there in Cincinnati. They also re-signed defensive tackle B.J. Hill on a three-year, $30 million deal. Like this move, B.J. Hill played very solid for the Bengals since coming over in the trade that sent Billy Price to the Giants. And then they franchise-tagged Jesse Bates. Hopefully they can work out a long-term deal there. Jesse Bates, one of the best safeties in football. A guy that if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you do not want to lose. The Cleveland Browns. Boy, aren't the Cleveland Browns in an interesting position. I just want to talk for a moment. You know, we're filming this at... 12.07 a.m. on Wednesday morning. So, as of now, Baker Mayfield is still the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. That could change. But doesn't it just feel kind of weird how Browns fans have just all of a sudden decided Baker Mayfield is garbage and he needs to go? I'm not saying Baker Mayfield has been great. This last year was a disappointment for the Cleveland Browns. They had one of the best rosters in football and did not even make the playoffs. Yes, it was a disappointing year. Yes, Baker Mayfield did not look good on the field. But Baker Mayfield was playing through a terrible shoulder injury. I mean, he should have been shut down. Why are you paying Case Keenum the money that the Cleveland Browns paid him if you're not going to shut Baker down when he suffers that kind of injury? The year prior, Baker Mayfield won them a playoff game. The Browns hadn't won a playoff game in my lifetime. The Browns, in my lifetime, I'm going to name you some quarterbacks who have started for the Cleveland Browns since 1998 when they came back to Cleveland. You got Tim Couch, Jeff Garcia, Doug Peterson, Luke McCown, Josh McCown, Thaddeus Lewis, Charlie, Charlie Fry, Deshaun Kaiser. I can keep going. We haven't even gotten to Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel, Brady Quinn. It's been a train wreck at the quarterback position. Why are we trying to just say, yep, get rid of Baker Mayfield. We got to get rid of Baker Mayfield. I know people want to see what could Deshaun Watson do with Amari Cooper and Nick Chubb behind the Browns offensive line. But in order to bring in Deshaun Watson, you're going to have to give up three first round picks and then some. Cleveland's not in a position to mortgage all that away just to bring in Deshaun Watson. I don't understand it, but looking at what Cleveland has done, they did, like we say, they traded for Amari Cooper, the wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys. They swapped they swapped fifth-round picks, so they swapped sixth-round picks, and then they sent Dallas a sixth-round pick. So you're swapping sixth-rounders, you send Dallas a fifth-rounder, and you get Amari Cooper. A lot of people are going to say, well, how did you only have to give up a fifth-round pick for Amari Cooper? And it boils down to Dallas wasn't going to pay Amari $20 million a year. Cleveland was willing to do it. Huge get for Cleveland. They did release wide receiver Jarvis Landry. Kind of felt like that one was coming. It's tough because you were hoping you could work that out and have Jarvis and Amari together, but that's not going to be the case. They did place the franchise tag on tight end David Njoku. He will be back. Like we said, traded Mac Wilson, the linebacker, to the New England Patriots, brought in Chase Winovich. And then the only other move the Browns have made so far is they signed defensive tackle Taven Bryan to a one-year deal worth up to $5 million, the former first-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is kind of one of those prove-it deals. Browns need interior defensive line. Taven Bryan, former first-round pick, has the potential. It's similar to the signing that the Browns made last year when they brought in Tack McKinley, the former first-rounder of the Atlanta Falcons. Prove it deal, see what he's got. Looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, another team that I love the moves they've made so far. You look, first they address the offensive line. 
Shakuma Akorafor, he's back three years, $29.25 million. Akorafor wasn't great last year. Really nobody on that Steelers offensive line was, but Akorafor only gave up two sacks last year. There's some potential there. Still a younger guy. But then they go and they bring in Mason Cole, the former offensive lineman of the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. Really, Mason Cole is kind of one of those iffy guys as well. He's played some decent football. Not the best pass protector, much better run blocker. But then those signing I really love on that offensive line is James Daniels. The guard slash center slash really everything for the Chicago Bears offensive lineman. Only 24 years old, very young offensive lineman. He gets a three-year, $26.5 million contract. Really think he's going to come in. You can put him at either of the guard spots and get rid of Trey Turner at that point, or he can play center and you could kick Kendrick Green to guard whatever you decide to do. They also re-signed corner Arthur Millette and safety Miles Killebrew, like both those moves. Also bring in cornerback Levi Wallace on a two-year $8 million deal, the former Buffalo Bill. We've talked about Levi Wallace a lot on this show. He's just average. He is an average number two corner in the NFL. I tell you what, though, Levi Wallace does play with heart. Might not be the best coverage guy. Definitely can get beat with speed and finesse on the outside, but he will stick his nose in there and he will tackle, and that's something that Pittsburgh is going to love about him. But the big thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers did is they addressed the quarterback position. They didn't listen to Kevin Colbert and think that you could roll into week one with Mason Rudolph starting at quarterback. They recognize that that would be a terrible plan, and they give Mitchell Trubisky a two-year, $14.25 million deal that can be worth up to $27 million with incentives. Now, what that means is it's $14.25 million over two years. So you're looking a little over $7 million. Now, if Trubisky hits, which is what Pittsburgh is hoping, they're hoping that Trubisky lives up to that number two overall pick hype and hits, then it's worth up to $27 million. Think about that. If he hits, if he plays well, you're still only paying him a little less than $14 million a year. That is a home run. What a great signing by the Pittsburgh Steelers. There was no quarterback in this draft that was worth drafting in the first round if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I like that they didn't get suckered into taking a quarterback in the first round. And I also like that they didn't mortgage the future to go trade for a Jimmy Garoppolo or go trade for a Deshaun Watson. Really feel like this was sound decision-making from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Looking at the AFC South, we're going to start with those Houston Texans. Obviously, everything right now is centered around what happens with Deshaun Watson. Where does he get traded to? What kind of compensation do the Houston Texans get back? But the Texans haven't just sat on their hands. They've re-signed a couple players, re-signed backup quarterback Jeff Driscoll, re-signed wide receiver Chris Conley. They signed tight end Pharaoh Brown to a one-year $4 million deal signed tackle Cedric Abouye to a one-year deal, signed offensive lineman Justin Britt, also brought in former Jacksonville Jaguar offensive lineman A.J. Can on a two-year $2.5 million deal. A lot of what? If you, I mean, if you look at the Texans, the Texans by far have signed one of the, you know, they have some of the most players signed already, but none of them are moving. I mean, Malik Collins at defensive tackle, Christian Kirksey at linebacker, Terrence Brooks, M.J. Stewart in the secondary, I mean, I like the Desmond King signing. He's a solid enough DB. I like the Ogbo Okorongwo signing, the linebacker. I think I pronounced that correctly. Really like him as a situational pass rusher, but none of these moves are putting the Texans anywhere close to, you know, being decent next year. Looking at the Indianapolis Colts, first and foremost, we got to talk about the Carson Wentz trade. They did trade Carson Wentz last week to the Washington Commanders. 
They get they give up Wentz. They swap second round picks with Washington, and then they get an additional conditional third round pick. Now it can become a second round pick if Wentz plays at least seventy percent of the offensive snaps for Washington next year. We knew Indy wasn't going to get a first round pick for Wentz. We also knew Indy was not going to roll into next year with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Indy had, by all accounts, decided that Wentz was not the guy. If he's not the guy, why are you paying him $28 million next year? By getting rid of him, Washington takes on his cap hit. Indy frees up a ton of cap space. They now have the most cap space in the NFL. I understand that now they have a hole at quarterback. Right now, it looks like Sam Ellinger would be their starting quarterback. Obviously, they're not going to go into next year with Sam Ellinger at quarterback. I don't hate the move, though, for either side. Like I said, I like that Indy got out from a bad contract. I like that Indy was willing to say Carson Wentz didn't work. We need to, you know, instead of tying ourselves to him for another year and watching this ship sink further, just get rid of him. I like that move. Looking at the moves, other moves they made, though, pretty quiet so far. Brought in Brandon Faison, cornerback from the Raiders, re-signed Taekwon Lewis defensive end, and re-signed offensive tackle Matt Pryor. Also liked that they re-signed tight end Mo Alley-Cox. It was much needed after tight end Jack Doyle retired. you got to bring back a guy like Mo Alley-Cox and his athleticism with him being a former Division I basketball player at VCU. Really for the Colts at this point, it's just going to be what do you do at quarterback? Are you in on Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you try and make a trade for him? Are you calling teams like the Las Vegas Raiders to inquire about a Derek Carr? Are the Raiders willing to move a Derek Carr at this point? Given as stacked and tough as the AFC West is going to be with the Chiefs, everything the Broncos have done and everything the Chargers have done now, do the Raiders realize that, hey, we don't have a roster that can contend with any of those teams right now, so our best chance is to tear it down, rebuild, and start over? That could be a legitimate move for the Raiders. And I know that sounds crazy because the Raiders were just in the playoffs last year and came within a touchdown of beating a team who went on to play in the Super Bowl. But look, the Raiders are not winning that division and the Raiders aren't sniffing a wild card next year. It's not happening. So given that, if you're Josh McDaniels, you've got to find a way to extend your coaching career in Las Vegas. And I promise you, if you go out there with Derek Carr, you're fired in three years because that division, you're not contending in the next three years with Derek Carr at quarterback. It might be time to rebuild there. If so, indeed, Derek Carr would be a great pickup. They did lose, though, guard Mark Lewinsky, who has been a starting guard for them now for a couple years. It's a bit of a Tough loss on that offensive line. We'll see what they replace there. Also still going to have to try and replace left tackle. It doesn't sound like Eric Fisher is going to be coming back there. Moving on, though, looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars are just handing out money like it grows on trees. The Jaguars are going absolutely crazy in free agency. I'm not going to hit on every deal they've made because we'd be here all night. But Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, wow. I mean, I love those guys as wide receivers. Solid wide receivers two and three. But you overpaid mightily for them. Evan Ingram, one-year fully guaranteed contract. Didn't make a ton of sense there. I thought Ingram would be signing more of a prove-it deal, not a one-year $9 million fully guaranteed deal. Love the Brandon Sheriff signing. Love the Brandon Sheriff signing. Helps solidify interior offensive line. Solid guard play there. And then a couple other signings. Fadakasi, the defensive tackle of the Jets. Slide overpay there, I feel like. But we'll see there. And then cutting Miles Jack. I know a lot of people are going to be upset about them cutting Miles Jack. Miles Jack obviously led them in tackles the last two years. But look at Miles Jack's numbers in closer detail. He had 108 tackles last year. Only three tackles for loss, though. A lot of his tackles are not coming at the line of scrimmage. They're coming five to ten yards downfield. Tackles.
tackles do not mean solid defensive play. If your tackles are coming 5 to 10 yards downfield, all that tells me is you did a really good job chasing a guy down. I, you can find linebackers like Miles Jack, I think, definitely in this draft class with guys like Troy Anderson from Montana State, Asamoe from Oklahoma. That doesn't even include the first-round linebackers. We're going to see guys like Nicobe Dean from Georgia. Linebacker is a position you can definitely fill in the draft. Looking at the Tennessee Titans again, kind of a quiet one. They re-signed Harold Landry like we talked about, re-signed center Ben Jones, re-signed tight end Jeff Swaim, and re-signed long, long snapper Morgan Cox. Nothing really exciting here in Tennessee. Moving on to the AFC West, we talked about the Russell Wilson trade already. We're not going to rehash that. They also brought in defensive tackle, though, DJ Jones, three years, $30 million. The former San Francisco 49ers helps solidify the interior defensive line. Also love some other moves. They re-signed linebacker Josie Jewell, helps solidify that linebacking core, bring him back. And then Randy Gregory, the former Dallas Cowboy, bringing him in at defensive end opposite Bradley Chubb. We talked about how the De- the Denver Broncos needed a pass rusher opposite Bradley Chubb. Randy Gregory is a very solid player. What I worry about, though, Randy Gregory has never played an entire season in the NFL. In his entire NFL career, he's never played every game in that season. And the Denver Broncos gave him five years, $70 million. I'm just not sure about that one, but we'll see how it plays out. Gregory definitely has potential and talent, so we'll see what comes of it there. Kansas City Chiefs, Nothing crazy here. They placed the franchise tag on Orlando Brown, restructured Frank Clark, and then they bring in safety Justin Reed on three years, $31.5 million. This was pretty much a we weren't going to re-sign Tyron Matthew. We weren't going to pay him what he wanted, so we needed to go get a safety who's at least capable. Justin Reed hasn't played his best football over the last couple of years, but this at least keeps the safety position relevant for them. Las Vegas Raiders have talked about Nothing crazy. They re-signed defensive end Max Crosby four years, $98.98 million. I mean, I understand that this contract looks bad given the fact that Max Crosby isn't a sack machine, but he led the NFL in pressures last year. The next closest guy to him was 20 less pressures. Max Crosby gets after the quarterback, just doesn't always finish it. But this is a solid signing because they had to keep the pass rush, especially given what Denver brought in with Russell Wilson, what Kansas City has with Patrick Mahomes, and what the Chargers have with Justin Herbert. you got to have some sort of pass rush if you're going to try and slow those quarterbacks down. like the move there. Look at those Chargers, though. The Los Angeles Chargers are going all in. Re-signing wide receiver Mike Williams, like we talked about in the last show, bring in two solid interior defensive linemen, Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day. Trade for Khalil Mack, love that move, did not have to give up a first-round pick. You gave up a 2022 second-round pick and a sixth-rounder in 2023. Love that move for them, put Khalil Mack opposite Joey Bosa. And then while you're at it, why don't you bring in a corner? They go out and get arguably the best corner on the free agent market, bringing in former New England Patriot J.C. Jackson, five years, $82.5 million, $40 million guaranteed. He's going to play opposite Asante Samuel Jr., I love this Chargers defense. You already had Joey Bosa. You already had Derwin James. You bring in J.C. Jackson. You bring in Khalil Mack. You bring in Sebastian Joseph Day. I'm telling you, if the Chargers get a defensive tackle like a Jordan Davis or a Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia or in the second round if they draft a Travis Jones out of UConn, teams could be in some trouble because that's a Chargers defense that is legit at this point. They did release right tackle Brian Bulaga. That was a move that was kind of expected. 
They need to save cap space. It saves them $8 million against the cap. Be interesting to see what they do there. Moving on to the NFC, we got Dallas Cowboys, re-sign Michael Gallup, franchise tag Dalton Schultz, rework a contract with Demarcus Lawrence. Love to see that they were able to break, keep him. And then they re-signed safety Malik Hooker and long snapper Jack, Jake McQuaid. Cowboys are losing a lot of guys, though. We talked about Randy Gregory. We talked about Cedric Wilson. A lot of guys are leaving, though, in Dallas. It'll be interesting to see what they can do to fill some of those holes. Rumors is that they have been in contact with free agent linebacker Bobby Wagner. That could be interesting given the fact that they are pretty deep at linebacker with first-round pick Micah Parsons, fourth-round pick Jabriel Cox out of LSU. Also had brought in Keanu Neal last year, the former safety of the Atlanta Falcons, to play linebacker. And then you've got Leighton Van Der Esch there as well. Looking at the New York Giants, the Giants bring in guard John Feliciano and guard Mark Lewinsky. Solidifying that guard spot probably means that they're moving on from Will Hernandez at this point. But then the signing that I found interesting, they signed quarterback Tyrod Taylor to a two-year deal, $11 million with a max value of $17 million with incentives. Similar to the Tua Tagovailoa situation in Miami. They are saying, hey, Daniel, we're going to give you an opportunity to start, but you're going to have to beat out Tyrod Taylor now. There's going to be competition here. And if you falter, if you're not the guy, we've got someone here who can challenge you now. It's not Mike Glennon and Jake Fromm behind you anymore. There is some legit talent now. Love the move from the New York Giants. Looking at the Philadelphia Eagles, again, somewhat quiet. The big one is they brought in linebacker slash edge rusher Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, it's, you know, he's not really a linebacker in the sense that he's not going to cover in the pass a ton, but Hassan Reddick just gets after the quarterback. They gave him three years, $45 million. Love this. Their pass rush is getting older. That pass rush that won them the Super Bowl is getting older. They need to retool it. Love the move there. They bring in wide receiver Greg Ward on the resigning him, resigning center Jason Kelsey, somewhat quiet outside of the Reddick signing. I wonder if they're still going to try and be players at the wide receiver position of Jarvis Landry and Allen Robinson still being out there. It'll be interesting to see what the Eagles try to do there. Washington Commanders, we talked about the Carson Wentz signing, the Carson Wentz trade already. From their standpoint, it was a move that had to be done. They missed out on Russell Wilson. They had what they thought was a deal in place for Russell Wilson, and he he said, I'm not waiving my no-trade clause. I don't want to go to Washington. So that wasn't going to happen. Aaron Rodgers resigns in Green Bay. You're not getting him. They didn't want to wait on Jimmy Garoppolo having the offseason surgery, and I truly believe they didn't want to match whatever price San Francisco was asking for Jimmy Garoppolo. At that point, you go, you get yourself at least a decent quarterback, and you don't have to give up a first-round pick like the move for the Washington Commanders. Only other move the Commanders have made so far, though, is re-signing defensive back Bobby McCain. Would like to see the Commanders be a little more active. Now you got a guard spot you got to replace. Obviously, Wes Schweitzer is there. Is he going to fill that role that Brandon Sheriff is leaving? And then also would like to see them look to fill the secondary. They did release safety Landon Collins. My guess is that just means a bigger role for Cam Curl, who's played solid football for them. Looking at the NFC North, we got the Chicago Bears. They bring in offensive guard Lucas Patrick, a reserve lineman who was with the Packers. They also brought in defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi on a three-year $40.5 million deal. I like Ogunjobi as a player, and I think he'll play well for the Chicago Bears. He had eight sacks last year at the defensive tackle position. That's impressive. Here's my issue with bringing in Larry Ogunjobi. You traded Khalil Mack. You don't build pass rush from inside out unless you have a generational defensive tackle like an Aaron Donald with the Rams, like a Fletcher Cox with the Eagles, or a Chris Jones with the Kansas City Chiefs. Larry Ogunjobi isn't that guy. You need to build it 
from the edge. And people are going to tell me, well, Robert Quinn had a ton of sacks last year. Robert Quinn had a ton of sacks because Khalil Mack was playing opposite of him. Folks, Robert Quinn had a lot of sacks when he was in L.A. with Aaron Donald. He gets a lot of sacks when he can't be double teamed all the time. Guess what? They can He can get double teamed now. He's not going to have the same number of sacks. I don't like this move for the Bears given the fact that they got a lot of other holes. They need to get some wide receivers. I mean, all they have right now is Daryl Morey. I mean, Darnell Mooney, not Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey, my bad, the former general manager of the Houston Rockets in the NBA. Darnell Mooney is the wide receiver the Chicago Bears have. And Darnell Mooney is a decent enough wide receiver. Right now he's a solid wide receiver number two or three. But right now he's wide receiver one on the depth chart. The Bears got to fill the wide, wide receiver position. Looking at the Detroit Lions, I like some of the moves that the Lions are making. People aren't going to say that too often about the Lions, so let's give them some praise. They re-sign backup quarterback Tim Boyle, the only quarterback I know of to have such a bad touchdown-to-interception ratio in college and still make it multiple seasons in the NFL. They bring in wide receiver DJ Chark on a one-year $10 million deal that's fully guaranteed. I thought Chark was going to get more of a long-term deal, but in any regard, Solid move for the Lions to get a wide receiver opposite Amon Ross St. Brown. They also re-signed wide receivers Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds. And then just a pair of other re-signings, guys like Alex Anzalon, Charles Harris at defensive end. Just some smaller re-signings there for the Detroit Lions. Green Bay Packers we talked about. Re-signed Aaron Rodgers. Deal has come out. It looks like it's pretty much a two-year, $124 million fully guaranteed contract. It technically is three years, 150 mil, but that cap hit is pretty much this season that he was already under the cap for. So really what it is is a two additional deals at $124 million fully guaranteed. Defonte Adams gets franchise tag, but he has informed the Packers he has no intention to play on the franchise tag. Reports are that the Packers offered Devontae Adams $23 million a year on an extension, and Adams is turning it down. One thing that you have to keep in mind with how the Green Bay Packers do contracts is a lot of times with veteran players that are non-quarterbacked positions. So vets who don't play quarterback, a lot of times the way Green Bay words their contracts is beyond the first year, a lot of the money's not guaranteed. Devontae Adams probably wants a long-term guarantee at this point. It'll be interesting to see what kind of deal they can strike. They also released edge rusher Zadarius Smith. His cap hit was up over $20 million. Smith is a very solid player. With a cap hit of that size and the moves Green Bay is trying to make, he couldn't do it. They re-signed linebacker Preston Smith to a four-year $52.5 million extension. And a lot of people are going to say, why? Why are you keeping Preston Smith and giving him an extension? This lowers his cap hit this year. That's all this is. It lowers his cap hit this year. They also brought back Devondre Campbell, the linebacker, five years, $50 million. He played very well for them this past season. Looking at the Minnesota Vikings, they give Kirk Cousins a one-year, $35 million, fully guaranteed extension. All that did was lower his cap hit this year and make sure you have a quarterback next year because you couldn't let Kirk Cousins hit free agency and all you get is a conditional third-round pick for him at that point. Love the move to re-sign Kirk because at this point, if Minnesota's not going to trade him, you can't let him walk and only get a third-rounder back. They bring in defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman Harrison Phillips, the former Buffalo Bill, three-year, $19.5 million. And then they brought in linebacker Jordan Hicks on a two-year, $10 million deal. I like both of those players. Both of those players are solid NFL players. I have nothing against them. Again, it has more to do with why is that what you're prioritizing? On a team that has needs an interior offensive line, could definitely look to bring in another wide receiver for depth. Definitely needs to fix the secondary. 
why are you prioritizing an interior defensive lineman and a linebacker in today's NFL given those needs? And I've had people tell me, well, they're switching to a 3-4 and interior linebacker, inside linebacker, that's an important position, you know, in a 3-4. I will tell you right now, that in, inside linebacker in that 3-4 defense is not adding more wins to the roster next year. He's not adding more wins than a shutdown corner, than a better offensive line. They could have had a guy like a James Daniels at guard. And then we wouldn't be watching guys like Garrett Bradbury and Dakota Dozier play week after week. I feel like the Vikings could have prioritized their signings a little better. Looking at the NFC South, Atlanta Falcons, they've been quiet. They re-signed kicker Youngway Koo. Five years, $24.25 million. Awesome for him. This is a guy who's kicking in the AAF at one point to get in a nice contract extension as a kicker. Good for him. Also re-signed offensive tackle Jake Matthews has been very solid for him. Looking at the Carolina Panthers, they're one of those teams. Could they be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? We will see. They bring in guard Austin Corbett, who was a guy that I felt would fit on a lot of teams. He gets three years, $29.25 million. They also bring in safety Xavier Woods, three years, $15.75 million. They also give kicker Zane Gonzalez a two-year extension, and then they also bring in running back Deontay Foreman. Somewhat quiet, some you know, nice but not great signings for Carolina so far. Looking at the Saints, another team. Could they be in that Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? We will wait to find out. They've made one move really so far. That is to bring in safety Marcus May, from former New York Jet, three years, $28.5 million, $15 million guaranteed. I love the player. Marcus May is a solid player. I just, Saints, I mean, the Saints are the definition of the salary cap does not exist anymore. You can do cap gymnastics and fit anybody under the cap if you want them badly enough these days. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can we just talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? At one point, we were thinking, are they going to have to roll Kyle Trask out at quarterback? Is that the move? Are they playing Kyle Trask? Tom Brady's back. He spends exactly 40 days retired, says, no, I am not watching any more Disney+. Plus. I can't do it. Get me back on the field. He's out. He's back here, back playing quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And within minutes of him saying, I'm back, center Ryan Jensen's back on a three-year, $39 million deal. They bring in wide receiver Russell Gage, which is massive. He is going to be a great wide receiver three for them. Fill the void left by Antonio Brown. They trade for Shaq Mason, like we talked about. Love the move, given the fact that guard Ali Marpet retired and they lost to Alex Kappa. Love that move. They re-signed guard Aaron Stinney. He is a guy who had started for them in their playoff run when Alex Kappa was hurt. Expect Stinney to compete for a starting guard spot this year. And then being able to re-sign corner Carlton Davis. Three years, $45 million. Huge for them. They've lost a couple guys, like we talked about. Marpet retired. Kappa's gone to the Bengals. Jordan Whitehead's with the Jets. But for the most part, being able to bring back guys like Jensen Godwin and Carlton Davis, absolutely massive for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Going to the NFC West, Arizona Cardinals, re-signing James Conner, re-signing Zach Ertz. Other than that, it's been somewhat quiet. They re-signed Colt McCoy. Not really sure what the Cardinals are going to do at this point. I Probably my biggest question with them, are they even in contention to bring back Chandler Jones or is he gone? That's about the only move I worry about with the Cardinals at this point. Rams, another team that have been somewhat quiet. Again, not a ton of cap space to work with. But they re-signed two very important offensive linemen. They re-signed tackle Joe Noteboom. That's important because Andrew Whitworth has officially retired. So Noteboom is going to fill the void that Whitworth is leaving at left tackle. 
Newt Boom gets three years, $40 million. And they re-signed center Brian Allen on a three-year deal. He's played very solid for them as well. San Francisco 49ers again. Quiet offseason so far. They re-sign running back Jamichael Hasty, And then they bring in Traverius Ward, who was one of the bigger name corners available. The former Kansas City Chief, they give him three years, $40.5 million. Like the move, especially given the fact that we were seeing guys like Josh Norman play corner for them last year. Seattle, we've talked about the Russell Wilson trade. We've talked about them getting Drew Locke, Noah Fant. They re-signed a tight end, Will Disley. They gave him three years, $24 million. That I don't understand, given the fact that you had Noah Fant. But, you know, I digress. The rest has just been re-signing guys, whether it's Al Woods, corner Sidney Jones, and then safety Quandre Diggs. They give a three-year, $40 million deal for. Diggs is a solid player, but, I mean, Seattle should be one of those teams that realizes maybe prioritizing safety is not the biggest need for them right now. But those are the teams who have made big signings so far. Those are all the news and notes from around the league. Obviously, there's still guys to fall. We talked about where will Deshaun Watson land, who is going to get him. That's probably the biggest one is where would Watson land? In my opinion at this point, Deshaun Watson is more than likely going to either be a Carolina Panther or a Cleveland Brown. I think it's going to take three first-round picks. I think it's going to take a solid player. In Cleveland's case, it's probably going to be Baker Mayfield. If it's not Baker Mayfield, expect it to be a Kareem Hunt and Greg Newsom. And then in the case of Carolina, expected to potentially be three first-rounders, Brian Burns and DJ Moore. I mean, that's a lot to give up for a guy who still has 22 civil suits hanging over his head and a potential suspension. But what I have heard is pretty much teams understand that Watson may miss some time due to suspension, but they view this move as a decade-long move. They expect to be able to trade for Deshaun Watson and have him for the next decade. If you put it in that perspective, then maybe you can justify giving up that much for him. And that's all we got for you guys today. Like I always tell you, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast. We'll be back later this week, of course, updating you guys on any other moves around the NFL. But until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a good one.